Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We're once again back talking all things European football with three of our four leagues underway. Uh, let's get going. So my name is Andy and I'm once again joined by our series regulars, Naeem, Alex and Ryan. How are you all? There we go, you wink. Just get an applause, everybody. He smashed it there. We're doing very good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And yeah, you're well, Wayne. And you, Naeem, all good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, all good here, man. All good here. Fantastic. Always, always good to hear you all well. Um, with Friday upon us, um, especially with me, you know, meeting you two boys tomorrow as well. It's good to see you're in um in good state of mind. Oh, they're not looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't that care. Was, Andy. Um, a horrible, horrible <laughs> silence. I, maybe I should cancel my, my, my bus tomorrow. Maybe I should just forget it. <laughs> Ryan, when you're editing so, that, put in the, the, the crickets effect, please, because that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, we're going to start with um, League In this week, with obviously Alex not being there last week. Um, we'll start with you, Alex. So, what's happened in league again this weekend? Yeah, first I apologise for not being here last week. It was extremely busy off my feet, but we are here. And Lee Gunn, I've to tell me what they, they, Lee Gunn's got off to. You know, I mean, since I since I was on the last pod, Messi joined PSG. Like quite a bit's happened, but I would like to tell you guys and the listeners about why you should watch Marseille. Um, and why Ryan and Naim should be pretty interested about um, Gwendozi and Saliba because they are getting that you know you know you know the rich kid who goes to like Harrow School who gets like an apprenticeship that no one else in the world gets. That's what Saliba and Gwendozi are getting <laughs> at the moment. I'm like before I, I I rant too much into it. Let me talk you through Marseille's first game. Yeah, so they had played Montpellier on day one, right? They were they, they, their manager is Jorge Sampaoli. He plays like a Bielsa style of football. So at one point, Guendouzi was up front and Saliba was at right wing. I'm not exaggerating. Like they were bombing up the pitch, pressing uh, Montpellier, dominating the game. Then they went 2 0 down uh, within a couple of minutes in the first half. Went into half time, really fuming, came back out. Montpellier fans. Uh, uh, it's the, home, the Montpellier fans of the home crowd. They're throwing bottles onto the pitch. So a bit of temperature's brewing. But Dimitri Payet, he rolls back the years. He scores a free kick straight through the wall. He scores another goal. Marseille get back into it. It's 3-2 uh, after some great play from Cengiz Ender from Turkey. Then uh, a, a, a water bottle from the crowd hits a Marseille substitute. That's not very good. Uh, a couple of minutes later, Marseille have a, a corner kick. Someone from the crowd... Um, tries to heroically, as some would argue, throw a water bottle at Matteo Guendouzi's head. Now, I'm going to give you two options because it's Matteo Guendouzi. Do we think A, Guendouzi ignored it and went to take the corner, or B, he antagonised the fans? Definitely B. option B. Definitely well, option B. Great guess. He picked up the water bottle, um, sort of jogged over to the crowd quite slowly, waved it up at them. Um, it's like, wave it about, well, hey, wait, hey, then you just pull it on the floor. Turned around and a two-litre bottle got flung towards his head. Uh, at which point the referee wow. the referee uh, had enough, so he walked off the pitch. He tried to suspend the game, but he didn't really make that clear. He just walked off. This is in the 89th minute. He's gone off. Now, Marseille, obviously, 
they're winning 3-2. They don't want the game to stop, so they've stayed on the pitch. Montpellier kind of like, maybe we should go in. Marseille are like, actually, no, we actually want the win here. The refs just stayed off. Uh, he's fuming. Then both teams come off. And then the club president comes down, gets on the speaker. He asks the fans, can you, if, I imagine what it was in French, can you please stop being fucking dicks and throwing shit on the pitch? Um, they keep doing it anyway. The teams come back. The ref doesn't come back for an extra five minutes. BT Sport are up in arms. Eventually they come back. And then the game is played out for the extra seven minutes, 3-2. Um, before I move on to the what second game? game, any thoughts on that one? What? Just, just French football, really, is it? <laughs> so, this, this game's a bit shorter, but I, 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 after this amazing game, which, by the way, as well, I haven't even mentioned how, I've slightly mentioned, Marseille in this time, Guendouzi's been playing up front at points, Saliba at right wing, they're moving all over the place. It's like the most fluid team wait, you'll wait. see. In fact, the formation... Gwen... Oh, go on. Guendouzi up front, did you just say? Yeah, so the what? formation... Is a three-two-four-one. Three defenders, two defensive mids, four attackers, one quote striker. But that striker is a false nine who drops back. So there's basically no one up front, which leaves any of the other players to fill that space. So multiple times, Gwen Doozy is pushing up to fill that space. Then other times, Gwen uh, William Saliba is occupying the right wing, which may sound crazy, but it works. And they did this into the second game. And I was thinking, well. This should be fun to watch. Four minutes in, a player has a Christian Eriksen-style collapse. We're thinking, oh my God, no. Turns out he's just fainted due to the extreme heat in the south of France. Marseille again, go 2-0 up in the first half. This is at home, by the way. The crowd's bombing up and down. Uh, Pierre again has rolled back the ears, dribbled through the entire team. Uh, there's an American winger, Comrade de la Fuente, um, a 20-year-old who's moved from Barcelona, who's doing amazing as well. The centre-back of Marseille's completed the most dribbles on the pitch, racing out of the back line, like the middle to centre-back. Then, second half, that same centre-back gets sent off, and Marseille blow their 2-0 lead to 2-2. All in all, I have not been so entertained by a football team. In I, I, I can't... Um, there's been specific games, but Marseille are playing Nice this weekend, right? So this will this pod will go up before then. It's a, in, it's on the evening of BT Sport. It'll be after Arsenal Chelsea. I don't know. There's I don't think there is any better way you can spend your evening than watching this absolutely batshit crazy team. It's almost like the French version of the Wimbledon's crazy gang from the um, from the was it F- 89 they won the FA Cup, 88, whatever it, year it was. That's it, a good comparison. Combine that with Bielsa's Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the one, the version of Leeds that um, the championship game against Villa when they um, carry on playing or something. What was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it as well. I mean, it sounds like Amazon Primer Missed a trick there, really, not doing a uh, an Arsenal sort of Tottenham-style series, really, on them this season. Well, I would say, the thing is, it, it's got off to a mental start, but like to finish it off, kind of. Um, I know this isn't generally the game, but this is, like I think, the biggest story so far. I am thinking, I know Gwen Doozy's got a loan of an option to buy, but both of those players have got to a rough start of Arsenal. And I feel like we are going to start... Um, this podcast particularly, um, having a bit of criticism to the 10th biggest club in the world. So I just thought I'd throw some positive news out there. I think it's exactly what Saliba and Guendouzi need at this point in their careers. Like Saliba is playing completely out of out of position in a good way. Like he still is a centre-back, but he's challenging himself a lot more. Guendouzi's under a coach who clearly believes in him. 
And like it's given him a lot more responsibility and a lot more faith than I think any other team's had. And I think he's going to thrive off that a bit more. So in a year's time, I'm going to be really excited if Guendouzi comes back to Arsenal and when Saliba definitely comes back, because exactly what they needed. So I thought it might brighten up the Arsenal mood before we touch on that a bit later on. Whilst you yeah. mention that, I've quick segue. I forgot we forgot to mention it last week because you weren't here, Alex. Do you remember the poll we did about who's a bigger club, Manu or Barcelona? Oh um, God! <laughs> with, well, with sixty-four with sixty-four percent of the votes, it was Manu that um, that did win the votes. That's all right. Eighty-nine percent of people put Kenny Dalglish as the most overrated player of all time. So these polls are really reliable. <laughs> yeah, the point. But that that that, that that's because you absolutely sabotaged the vote. <laughs> You sabotaged the vote by putting Man United in there in the first place. <laughs> um, and before I forget, also with the other votes we did, um, Ashley Cole won the votes just about just beating Cole at or Campbell by 3%. Um, Ashley Cole won the vote as the biggest traitor in football history. And then the other vote we did was what is the worst transfer in football history. And um, winning the vote with 39% was Coutinho to Barcelona. Oh, was that Marshall? That was Naeem's. Um, oh. it was, no, no, it wasn't actually. No, it was it was your, it was yours. Yeah, I had the Hazard <laughs> to Real Madrid. Uh, Naeem had Jonathan Woodgate to Real Madrid, and um, Ryan originally had Torres to Chelsea, but he changed to Shevchenko against Chelsea, and that got thirty percent. And both Woodgate and Hazard got twenty-four on that. Damn. And then the traitor votes. Ashley Cole got thirty-eight. Saul Campbell got thirty-five. Luis Figo got fifteen percent, and then Cesc Fabregas got twelve percent, which I think is probably the, with the exception of maybe Cole and Campbell being the other way round, probably the right order. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, back to you, Alex, on the game. Um, anything more to say on that league before we move on? Uh, I mean, yeah, Messi joined PSG. That's fun. I think that's like I've I've spoken a lot more about it on get French football news to decide. I, I I'm aware I've ranted on quite a bit about league on here, but I'll just say I think there's it's really what the league needed. I think a lot of being made of the the T V deals, this is really gonna um provide a big injection to League. It's like some people are saying fairly that short term wise it's going to be it's just gonna widen the gap with PSG and other teams. But in in the three seasons before Neymar joined, I think the highest a league earned club had spent was like 21 million on, tra- on a transfer outside of PSG, and the lowest was like 9 million. After Neymar joined, the minimum bumps up to 20, the maximum bumps up to 36. So it's just raise the standards, and it's a really good time yeah. for league earned. I'd say it, it, it's probably in the Premier League state as it was in like 13 14. To me, there's just a couple more Burnleys in league earned, like unprogressive teams that are still existing, uh, but the rest of the league's really gone up. And I saw anyone who saw Twitter today would have seen that the video went out of Messi's first day at the club, and there was pictures of um, Messi and Sergio Ramos hugging and looking like they become friends. So it's um, quite weird to see them two becoming becoming teammates and friends after all the years of the you know, the Barca Real Madrid rivalry. Uh, people are comparing it to um, Tony on Jump Street when um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in school don't get along, and then they work together and they become best friends. Also, oh, well, I've actually got. Brothers. I've, I've actually got one last thing about Liga. Just there's so much crazy things happening. I should mention this. Um, so Leon at the weekend lost to Angers three 0 which is like the equivalent. Do you know what? It, it is genuinely the equivalent of Arsenal losing to Brentford. Like it's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's kind of no, no, no. That's not even an insult. It's, it's kind of like, it's like a quite a big team losing to a team that should be battling relegation, right? But it was three 0 and they got completely outplayed. 
and Leon put a full strength XI out, right? Apparently, after the game, um, this captain tried to do... Uh, the captain gave a speech to the dressing room, and a defender called Marcelo, who should have been sent off in the game and scored a really funny own goal, was laughing during it. Um, <laughs> the reaction of the Leon board, or the sporting director, Junio, um, the player people might remember... Who's oh, him, yes. Yeah, so after that, he's... He's ter- he's about to terminate Marcelo's contract purely because of him laughing in the dressing room, Bloody and well. he's put up our Cherky and Corne up for immediate sale to get him out of the club to change the attitude because he's fuming at just at that result. It's only one. <laughs> wow. One, I know. One, one thing I will jump in. I mean, Janino is a dog shit director of football or whatever he is at Leon. Oh, I he, agree. He's made some appalling decisions there, but. Um, I will say Marcelo also is a dog shit defender, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I saw him last season in a few games, and didn't he didn't he get some abuse off the Leon fans or something because of how terrible he was? Or was is this a Marseille centre back I'm thinking of? Um, was it Alvaro I'm thinking of? Oh no, you're thinking of Alvaro Gonzalez, I think. Uh, but Mar- no, Marcelo's a similar one. Yeah, he was. If anyone wants a good show, he's. It was really, really funny at the weekend, just how poor he was. And it, it does make me laugh. Like, someone can have such a bad performance, go into the changing room and start laughing about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, that league sounds like it really has got off to a chaotic start, to say the least. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, our next league, we're now off to Italia. So, Ryan, um, this is, of course, it is the only league that hasn't actually got underway yet. Um, so what's been happening in, in Serie A this week, Ryan? I mean, not too much. Uh, as you say, the games will kick off at the weekends, and I'll run through the, uh, them in a minute. I mean, the only really notable thing was Manuel Locatelli joining Juve from Sassuolo. In terms of any other sort of major deals, nothing really has sort of come to uh, fruition just yet. I mean, uh, Milinkovic of Fiorentina was linked to sort of West Ham and Spurs. But that didn't happen. He's now going to sign a new deal. And uh, Dusan Vlahovic, obviously someone who I mentioned last season, another player who keeps being linked to big clubs, including, well, not Tottenham because they're not a big club. But um, I don't know if he, he'll move this this year. I think he'll be one maybe who will move next summer. But, I mean, I'll, I'll go on to Juve in a minute. But in terms of this weekend, you've got the champions in there who start at home to Genoa. Whilst Verona take on Sassuolo, Empoli host Mirage Series Lazio, Torino take on Gasparini and Atalanta on Saturday. Sunday sees Bologna, Salantiana, Udinese, Juventus, Napoli, and newly promoted Venetia, who will be donning that amazing new kit as well. Mm, yeah. Plus, Fiorentina take on Roma, which will probably be the game of the weekend, in my opinion. Um, and then last, the action on Monday night sees newly promoted Spezia away to Cagliari and AC Milan with the OAPs Giroud and Ibrahimovic up front against <laughs> Sampdoria. Um, in terms of Juventus, though, I mean, I don't know if you could class this as a rant or more of a annoyance, really, because they've they've sort of donned a, a Bayern-esque attack on Italian clubs in the last couple of summers because they're going after all the you know, all these other clubs' top players. Now, they took Chiesa from Fiorentina. They've now took um, Locatelli from Sassuolo. They took Weston McKenney 
although he came from uh, Schalke. But what's annoying me is how they're getting away with these deals because they're not even paying up front for them. They're bringing them in on two-year loan deals and then paying that at the end of those two years when their valuations are going to go up and they're paying hardly anything in these two years. So I don't quite get it. I mean, they've done it with Chiesa, uh, who they only paid, I believe, £35 million for, which is a bargain now. And Locatelli, they've just done the same with him. They've just got him on a two-year loan deal with um, obligation to buy at the end of that. And I think they've only got the obligation, again, for about £40 million, if not a little bit less. I don't understand why these clubs are selling so cheap because Sassuolo didn't need to sell Locatelli. He was under contract, still had a few years left on his deal. I don't think he forced a move through either. Like, obviously, he wanted to go. But they could have got that money in straight away and reinvested that in their squad because they've got a good team. And yet they haven't. Mm -hmm. So my annoyance is with these Italian clubs who are letting Juve, you know, just steamroll them as usual like they will this season but fair play to Juventus I mean their transfer department is top notch like Mm. you know not only the free transfers that they get but the fact that they're doing these kind of deals as well I mean those three players there I mentioned are all going to be you know starters for them for a very very long time so yeah I just wanted to sort of chuck that out there yeah I mean it's um interesting with Juve I mean they do, yeah, but I mean, I think the buying tactic has worked. They've they bought all the players, you know, from from rival teams, and they've just completely dominated that league in the last five, ten years, mostly. And I think Juve may well do the same. Obviously, Ronaldo's uh, not there forever, but I think they are just now starting to do, as you say, starting to get all these players on on short deals. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 deals. in the Milan done a similar thing last year, but they they actually paid the fees that those players warranted in bringing like Barella in. And 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 now they've just they spent all that money and they've just sort of realised, hang on, we can't afford to spend all that money that we spent. Now we've got to sell all our players, and they're now back to square one under a average manager, but under a probably slightly above average team. If they'd have lost Lotaro Martinez, they would be fucked. Did you guys yeah. see what happened with um? Uh, the, 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 uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, Ryan. The, the interviews come up with Papu Gomez for with Atalanta and what happened. I did. There. I yeah. did. Go on, yeah. tell, tell the guys. Well, basically, from what I read, um, he was given some instructions, Papu Gomez. I believe it was to switch wings or something. Yeah, yeah. Go, mm. go, Gomez refused in the game. And at halftime, Gasparini basically offered to fight him. <laughs> oh, wow. No, no, he actually did. Oh, he did. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, I yeah, see he, this. He, uh, Go- Gomez used the words, he beat me. <laughs> I, I need to find this on YouTube. Gasparini, Gasparini is literally like in his 90s as well. So how do you let that happen? <laughs> yeah, apparently it happened oh. in the, the dressing room. And um, uh, so Go- Gomez, Go- Gomez apparently took responsibility because he, he, he apparently he like he knew he was in for a bollock and it was deserved. But he went to the club president and said about it. And he apologised, but it's because Gasparini didn't apologise to him. It's the reason he said, I can't play here anymore. It's weird as well, because he was probably their best player as well the last couple of seasons. And now he's gone to Sevilla and he's not really been the same at Sevilla. So it's almost like that's kind of, you know, destroyed the progression that he was really starting to make. I know he's not too young, but 
Yeah, it's uh, never a dull moment in Italian football. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's been around for years. Um, I'm trying to find this. I need. To, I might make my mission by the end of this podcast to find this fight somewhere um, on you. Oh, no, you won't, be, you won't be able to see it. It was in the dressing room, Andy. <laughs> I, was say, I, don't, I don't think they've got the cameras in the dressing room on YouTube. I mean, that, that, that explains why, that explains why <laughs> I can't find it. Um, anything else on Serie A, Ryan, before we move on to Spain? Not particularly, no. I don't. I don't think there's any really major signings that are going to happen. I don't think Ronaldo will leave. So, yeah, not much else, really. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, now we're moving to Spain, which, of course, is where Naeem comes into it. So, Naeem, uh, the first weekend was under, got underway last weekend of La Liga. So, yeah, what happened? Yeah, so starting off with La Liga, the promoted teams uh, came up are Espanyol, Rayo Vallecano and Mallorca. So Valencia kicked off the new season by beating Getafe at home 1-0. Um, that was after Hugo Guillemot got sent off in a third minute with a straight red um, card. Um, it was a pretty high-footed challenge and, yeah, it, it, he had no no excuses but to obviously get sent off. Um, but, yeah, this didn't stop Valencia, though, um, obviously with Denis Cherishev being brought down by Captain Jenny in the 11th minute. Carlos Soler, he slotted home the only goal of the game. Um, late on, uh, Eric Kobako, he got sent off for Getafe after his second yellow. Um, new boys, Mallorca, they um, hosted Real Betis and played out a 1-1 draw. Uh, Brian Olivan scored first uh, for the home team in the 25th minute. But in the 59th minute, keeper Manolo Reyna scored an own goal after Nabil Fakir's free kick was headed goalwards by uh, Juami, making Reyna hit the ball into his own net. Uh, elsewhere, there were quite a few draws um, that happened over the weekend. Um, this included Osasuna drawing nil-nil with newly promoted Espanyol. Uh, ten men Villarreal they drew nil-nil also with Granada. Elche they they drew with Atletico Madrid. No, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Athletic Bilbao nil-nil as well. Um, elsewhere, Cadiz they got a 97th minute equaliser against Levante after going a goal behind in the 39th minute. Um, moving on to Real Madrid, uh, they opened up their campaign with a 4-1 away win against Deportivo after the first half ended goalless. So, uh, two goals from Benzema and Nacho Fernandez made the score 3-0 before Courtois brought down Guidetti after a poor back pass from Militao. Hosselu then converted from the spot. Uh, later on, Vinicius Junior got a late goal in injury time to make it 4-1 and obviously that's a good start for Ancelotti, Ancelotti after his first league game back at Real Madrid after leaving six years ago. Sevilla, they were at home to a newly promoted side, Rayo Vallecano, whose night wasn't helped when goalkeeper Lucas Zidane got a straight red in the 15th minute after pulling back Osasuna's, Os- oh, sorry, Osama Idrissi to deny him a goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, Youssef and Nestle converted. Um, at half-time, new signing Eric Lamella, he came off the bench um, and he scored his first goal 10 minutes after... His shot took a massive deflection, um, and obviously he that went in. Uh, 20 minutes later, he got his second goal, Lamella, after converting from an L. Unessi cross. Um, moving on also to last season's league winners, Atletico Madrid. Uh, they started off their campaign away against Celta Vigo. Angel Correa, he opened up the scoring with a shot just from outside the edge of the D, uh, going straight into the top corner. 
In the 59th minute, um, Igor Aspas, who Andy might uh, know from his Liverpool days, <laughs> he scored from the penalty spot after Marcus Llorente had been deemed by VAR to have handled the ball in the box. Uh, later on, Andrew Carrera got his second of the day, five minutes after Aspas had equalised. Uh, at the end, there were two red cards late on after there were seven minutes of injury time added on. Um, Mario Hermoso, he got a straight red uh, and... Hugo uh, Mallow, he got sent off after receiving two yellow cards in quick succession. And lastly, Barcelona, they started their life without Messi with a 4-2 home win against Real Sociedad at the Nou Camp. There was a reduced capacity crowd, at, um, obviously, at the Nou Camp due to COVID restrictions. Gerard Piquet, he opened up the scoring. Um, that is, uh, since last week, he took a pay cut. Um, because obviously Barcelona in quite a lot of debt, so you know they need to free up some funds. Um, secondly, Memphis Depay, he obviously he he got the assist for Gerard Piquet's goal. It was a nice little headed headed goal. Um, Martin Braithwaite, um, someone that gets quite a lot of stick, he made it two nil um, at the end of the first half, and then he made he, he got his second goal of the day in the 59th minute. Before in the last 10 minutes, Real Sociedad they got a goal back which was in also the 81st minute. Uh, Miguel uh, Ozabal, he scored the goal of the game with with a free kick. It was roughly about 35 yards out. Um, if, you, if you want to go check it out, um, it's a good little goal. He got in the top right-hand side corner, but any chance of Real Sociedad equalising was ruled out when Sergio Roberto made it 4-2 in the injury time. So, uh, yeah, so... All the all the top all the top teams in Spain won. So Real Madrid, Sevilla, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid. And yeah, that is a little roundup of the first week of La Liga. And Barcelona are looking good, and Real Madrid they're looking good as well. So yeah, it'd be good to see um, yeah what happens this season. Um, you mentioned before a player that I very rarely like to mention in the Argo Aspas, uh, <laughs> someone who. Took the, has taken probably the worst corner in Premier League history in a certain game that I never want to talk about ever again. This game I've never watched back since. Uh, but I'm going to YouTube it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's I mean that I mean the, the game obviously everyone probably knows which game I'm mentioning. It also not only does the best player in my seen play for the club make an awful mistake, but also it's a thing game where the actual second goal was assisted by one of my favourite players of all time as well in Fernando Torres. So um he really just has a bad had a bad game all round. But um he before but before and after his about Liverpool, he's always done well in Spain. He's he gets goals and um obviously certain players like him didn't adjust to the Premier League but they suited well to life in La Liga. And then on the flip side you see uh, people like Coutinho, people like Hazard who did amazingly in the Premier League, but then struggled in the Spanish League. So why do you feel, Naeem, that certain players take to La Liga like a duck to water, whereas other players who come to that Liga maybe don't quite do the same impact? What do you think is the differences between the two leagues that makes some players succeed in one, where some yeah. don't succeed in that league? Well, with the two players you mentioned um, that transferred from the Premier League, obviously they both of them transferred for quite a high transfer fees, so... When you when you're going to two of the biggest clubs in Spain, obviously there's going to be added more added pressure on on you as opposed to obviously Chelsea and Liverpool. Obviously there's still is pressure there, but when you go for such a high fee, there's obviously more pressure. You know you're 
you're kind of expected to perform every week if you're going uh, kind of going for that uh, money. But also sometimes it can be can be the weather because obviously Spain is is pretty pretty warm all year round. So some players just I don't know they they just they just suit different leagues. Um, some some players can you know like move around leagues and you know still be good. But then some players they they only really suit to play in certain leagues and when they move their their obviously their weaknesses are more highlighted. So. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's quite a few varying factors, but I think yeah, the main main one would probably be obviously the different different style of play in the different leagues. I, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think definitely that certainly has an impact. Um, right, we're now on to the Premier League, our final league we're covering today. Um, so this league obviously t- took took place on the Friday. The first game being Brentford uh, in their first top flight top flight games in over seventy years. They managed to get a 2 0 win uh, against Arsenal. Sorry, boys, um, with goals from Sergi Canos and Norgard. Um, in terms of Saturday, Manu got had a very convincing performance on Saturday lunchtime, probably the most convincing of the whole weekend, maybe them and Spurs. But they beat Leeds 5 1 um, with Bruno Fernandes making every fantasy manager happy with his hat trick and Paul Popper getting four assists, which is actually more than he got the entire last season in the league. Um, other results Burnley 1 2 1 at Brighton. Everton beat Southampton 3-1. Chelsea beat Palace 3-0 at home with a wonder goal from Trevor Chalibur, who Alex has mentioned in, in our previous podcast when he was going through his league-earned team of the season. Um, Vardy is still still going. He got one He got the goal, the only goal, in a 1-0 win for Leicester over Wolverhampton Wanderers, where it's probably the, one of the surprise results of the weekend saw newly promoted, newly promoted Watford beat Aston Villa despite all their money spending. 3-2 um, before the evening game on on Saturday. So Liverpool beat Norwich 3-0 thanks to goals from Roberto Firmino, Mohamed Salah and Diego Diogo Jota. In terms of Sunday, uh, West Ham meet Newcastle 4-2 with a few goals in quite a quick succession um, at, at St James's Park with a very dodgy, I'd say, very dodgy penalty decision for the West Ham goal. And then finally, Spurs uh, won a surprise 1-0 win over Man City. Um, obviously, Jack Reedish did play. Harry Kane did not. But Spurs did find a way to give Nuno Espirito Santo the perfect start as Tottenham manager. Um, and it was Hyung Min Son who did sign a new 4 0 deal in the summer. He got the only goal of the game. Now, one thing I want to talk about, and it's probably the same for every league when they have their fans back, but one thing I noticed across the whole four leagues was the real difference that fans make. And it's no coincidence that in all the 10 games that took place, there were only uh, three, no, four, no, one, two, um, three away wins all of the 10 games. And I think that shows that, uh, I think the fans are always going to be buoyant when they come back, but you can really tell the fans were very, very loud. They were very sort of, as you'd expect them being back in, back in, obviously back in the, um, back in the four crowds again. And I think that, for me, it really showed a huge difference. What actual you know, we saw all throughout lockdown, the fake crowd noises. But I think for me, it was really good to see real fans back. You heard real emotion, particularly the Brentford game. That was extraordinary. Um, I think also Manu had a very sort of great way of, of evading Rafa Varane with his um, where they announced him on the pitch. And I think yeah, for most teams, it was um, you could really tell why a lot of home teams won because they had their actually had their fans back. Whereas one theme we saw through a lot of of um, sort of whether it's a Premier League restart that happened two seasons ago, or whether it's the whole of last year, there were a lot more away wins because that home advantage through fans was was taken away. 
Um, my final point I wanted to make was an incident that took place at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Chelsea were going through a... Um, I don't know whether you boys have seen this clip on Twitter or Instagram. Oh, where, this. Yeah, where, um, that's what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chelsea had an open training session. And <laughs> the, ac- the actual clip, you can see it, had the players actually walking out with the trophies. Um, but basically, they had a sort of... I don't know why they would do this, but they had a sort of a Q&A with fans. And I'm going to say it right now, this fan is an absolute toss. I mean, I don't know why. He's just think All he's doing, I think, personally, was think about himself and trying to make an impact and sort of make it all about him. But he basically um, said he's act- he was acting all big I am, but he was saying on the mic to um, the presenter that Timo Werner needs to leave the club. And this is actually with, I'm guessing, Werner there. And I think that's just... And I think there was actually a woman who... Um, she, she actually had to go back at him and she was shouting at him and calling him all sorts. But for me, I think this is highly disrespectful. I mean, you're meant to be a fan. You're meant to get behind your players. And yes, while every fan, every fan has certain players in their team they don't like, but a player that's short of confidence and the player you pay off spend that money on, you don't want to see them do do badly. And you and doing things like that is not going to help them whatsoever. It's not going to help Werner's cause. Um, but what's your boys thought on, on this incident? Uh, what do you think about this? Oh, it pissed me off so much. I hope that fan gets banned from attending matches. Oh, <laughs> I, I'd be all for that. I'd be, I'd be, I'd back that all the way. It's like imagine, imagine, imagine that like wherever that kid works, right? Like, well, it can't be, so, it can't be somewhere fucking glorious, on like, like he's a bin man or something. No disrespect to bin man, <laughs> right? So like, imagine, well, it's like imagine he's like, I don't know, he's picking up a rubbish bag, uh, a rubbish bag, and he fucking, I don't know, a guy comes out of the house and goes, "Tell you what, mate, you're really shit at your job. You should quit." <laughs> so, That's so, it. That's exactly you know the best. It. Best way to describe it is it's football Twitter in real life. There's a reason it's called football Twitter is because it should stay online. Yep. Yeah. Or offline for that matter. Uh, yeah, never be said. I, th- I mean, it's not the only incident we saw. I mean, there was some uh, disgusting homophobic chanting mm. towards Billy Gilmore in the Norwich game as well from um, a certain section of certain few Liverpool fans as well. And I don't like it as well when you see these incidents. I mean, we've seen... You know, a few Chelsea fans down the years um, have all sorts of incidents with racism. And we've seen, you know, a, a lot of other fan groups as well who have caused trouble. But in the media, it's like all Chelsea fans are racist or all Liverpool fans are homophobic. Like, it shouldn't be painted in that picture just because of a certain section of fans, you know. And it's the yeah. same on social media as well when you get... I mean, we've seen seen it today as Arsenal fans, you know. We all know Aaron Ramsdale is going to come into the club. You look on his Instagram and it's just bombarded with, you know, hateful messages and that. And it's just, it's not on. I think think he has to. And you shouldn't have to come down to that. You know, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's it's almost become the normal. Um, Yeah, and it's... Like I say, it's, it's incredible. That's the only, that's, you know, that's a negative of having fans back, unfortunately. But, I mean, obviously not social media but definitely in stadiums as well that we've seen mm-hmm. certain sections of this behavior return but you know clubs need to take a, a harder stance you know they've got cctv in the grounds at the end of the day and you're surrounded by a load of other fans you know potential witnesses so you, you know it shouldn't be that hard to you know find out the the actual people that are you know saying this shit and ban them for life you know don't give them a year ban or a two-year ban you know they should be banned completely yeah, definitely. And someone is you know, someone for me who has, um, you know, has gay friends, has bisexual friends. It is, it is all something I always sort of feel 
passionate about that. It shouldn't be happening in grounds and anywhere for that matter. But what, what are your thoughts on this, Naim, as well? Do you do you agree with us and do you agree with the boys? Yeah, I think, uh, like, obviously, every, uh, fans have the right to criticise a player, but what, what's it, what's, what is that fan going to get out of this, you know, saying, oh, he's rubbish and all that? Like, the guy's probably short of his confidence anyway. Like, you saying that to him is not really going to help. I think you can be constructive in your crit- crit- criticism, but... Yeah, he's an idiot, to be fair. It was kind of funny, but at the same time, yeah, he, he is kind of an idiot to do that. And, yeah, if, if that, if, fair enough if he's like from a different, uh, if he's a fan of a different club, but he's a Chelsea fan, you know, he's supposed to, supposed to back your players. And even if they are not paying too well, you know, he's supposed to still back them, you know. But, yeah, this doesn't really help, to be fair. And, yeah. you know, it's a player obviously short on confidence, absolutely. But it's not like a player, I mean, you know, we've had obviously incidents as Arsenal fans with, with you know, Granit Xhaka most notably. <laughs> and, you know, he was almost given some back to the fans as well. But we haven't seen anything like that from Timo Werner. Like, he's been incredibly right. respectful. Yeah. To the, he just to gets on with his job. So he shouldn't be. You know, he's only. He's been there for what? For One a season? season? Yeah, it's the second like, season now. It, you know, the most intelligent fans know. You know, some players take time to adapt to new leagues and new cultures and new languages. Like, yeah. how, again, it is just, unfortunately, football Twitter, like Alex said, in real life. And, yeah, it's that's what is mm. going to be frustrating, I think, starting to, especially us like now go into games as well on a more regular basis that we're probably going to see and hear this kind of rubbish. But hopefully, you know, the more intelligent people in the ground will, you know, Tell them to shut the fuck up and just get on with it, really. Yeah, and of course, these fans, Chelsea fans, particularly forget that we know Havertz got the goal in the final, but everyone forgets that in the semi-final, who got the goal? Timo exactly. Werner. So, exactly. And the man who made the space for Havertz in the final was Timo Werner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah so I think they're forgetting that he he played his part in that in that win, that win. So he's, you know, right, he didn't get the goal in the final. He had he had he had a real role to play in that run. And I mean, even Havertz himself didn't have. A good start to his Chelsea season, no. either. Yeah, yeah, he was he was being labelled a flop straight away, and now now they can see how good he is, and that's the that's again a negative of English fans as a whole as well because they're so you know intertwined. Right off a player, isn't they? Yeah, especially from Europe. You know, if it's a player from Liga and other come from a farmers league and they're no good, or come from Spain or Italy or Germany, like you know, they're quick to write off these leagues and without actually putting any real research or you know anything into it so again they're just too quick to mouth off with their opinions fickle um this is why also i I always really hate any sort of criticizing of cinema upon goal for liverpool everyone says oh he was terrible but he got goals in the olympiakos game and he got the goal in one of the fa cup games that the year we won it so i think some players yes they don't have the best careers but a lot of them have their have their moment they have their role to play um one thing I'm gonna, one final segment I want to start this season off. And I actually haven't told you boys about this, but I want to go for each of you every week. We're gonna give our player of the round of the week, I should say, and our goal of the week in that league. So apologies, Ryan, after you can't do this week, and also I'll make a start to give you boys a chance to think of yours. Um, so my player of the, of the weekend was uh, Bruno Fernandes. I thought he was excellent in that five-one win and got obviously got had his first hat trick for the club, and no more needs to be said about that. Goal of the round, I've gone for a bit of a rogue one. Um, I think we got goals like Luke Hayling against Man U for Leeds. We got uh, Chalabers against Palace um, for Chelsea. 
but for me, I've gone for uh, the core raise against Southampton because um, for not only the technique and the way he and the power on the shot, but the way he sort of move, maneuvered in that box and that quick turn he made before smashing it top by corner, I thought that was an excellent goal myself. Um, now, Alex and um, Naeem, um, do, you want, do you want to give me yours? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, yeah, so my player of the week, I'm going to go with Martin Braithwaite of Barcelona. Um, obviously, he, he got two goals and an assist playing off the wing for Barcelona because Memphis Depay was playing down the middle. So, yeah, he obviously with Aguero being out injured, I think he, he's going to be playing, he'll, he'll probably play quite a lot in this front three. And yeah, to start off the season with two goals and an assist is just going to breed more confidence for him. And the goal, goal of the weekend is from the actual game. So it was that Miguel Ozabel's free, um, free kick. It was because mm. it, it was so far out and, you know, the keeper did get a hand to it, but, you know, obviously it was just, it was just such a good, good free kick. Um, yeah. That was a, that was a pick of the weekend, I, I would say. And um, right, Alex, um, who, who, what would you want to go for? Oh, I, I think just off the top of my head, I think I'm going to have to go for Pie Ace against Bordeaux. Um, yeah, it was it was a, 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 a basically it was Gwendozi's first assist of the season actually. Not that he did much for the assist, but um, basically he possible to Pi who was on the halfway line, and um, Pi basically just drove at this uh, at the Bordeaux goal like through quite a lot of defenders and uh, just just tapped it in. But I was just I was just getting up with that goal. I was trying to jog my memory. Yeah, uh, I, I've also. Bit of a, a, a different shout. I would go for Marcelo's own goal for Leon because um, I'm just trying trying to get it up now. I, I remember it being very funny. And I just yep, here it is. Yeah. So what happens is on um, uh, Jet they they put a ball in behind, uh, just like a low ball. Uh, it looks really comfortable. Um, goalkeeper's staying in goal. Marcelo's got a player bearing down on him, but he's about to pass back to the keeper. And he looks at the keeper and places it perfectly into the far corner. Um, it's, if that's his last technical goal for Leon and it's the one that gets his contract terminated, it's definitely my favourite. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you see on some goals, don't you, where the technique is just excellent for the own goal. I mean, I mean, there was one years and years ago. I remember there was one, I think, a Palace defender um, having a really comical own goal like that. Um, I think it was Pop- Popovich or something like that. Um, and Ryan, um, any leagues you want to give your sort of votes towards? Any sort? Of, I know obviously Serie A wasn't playing this weekend, but is there any leagues you want to give your player of the week to, your goal of the week to? I think that's a good goal against Arsenal, wasn't it? Buemu. No, uh, the other guy. Canos. So yeah, Canos. Did yeah. you like yeah. that one, Ryan? <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, I mean they deserved the performance of the week, Brentford. Mm. They, yeah. were, they, oh, they yeah. were very, yeah. very good. I don't think Arsenal were actually, you know, abysmal. We, we, we just looked oh, like. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they were. They, they, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll back. I'll back Ryan. Worse. I'll back but, Ryan. You had like no. You, you, you had Balogun up front, like in his first ever Premier League performance. I, I think there's wider questions, but it's match day one. There's not really any questions to ask. And two, it was just like, yeah, I don't know what Arsenal expected. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect much after seeing that lineup, but even still, I mean, I think the goal for me was actually Callum Wilson's against West Ham just because of the assist from St. Maximin, because the way it's, it's such a joy to watch him play football. Mm. Newcastle fans are so lucky to 
have such a talent. You know, he's almost similar to when they had Ben Arthur back in the day, who, again, was, was very similar to how he played. But it's just how we just kept going backwards and forwards, you know, the step overs and then the twists and the turns. And, you know, he crosses it so well for Wilson, who just puts it away. And, yeah, I thought that was a not only a great goal, but a great game as a whole. I thought, you know, Newcastle were tad unlucky to lose 4-2, but credit to both teams who played really, really well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But so that does conclude our podcast for this week. Um, so we will be back next week once again, just to run through, you know, once Serie A starts, Ryan will have some game updates for you. And obviously we'll have our um, roundups of the, of the last weekend in our leagues as well. So thank you for listening once again. Um, I have been Andy. This has been Alex. This has been Ryan. And this has been Naeem. Cheers all. Adios. Oh, my.